So we're going to be looking at before Jesus came, before the incarnation, what was going on before he came. So we've got, uh, we've got four things that we're going to be looking at. First of all, Jesus involved in creation and then Jesus involved with, in his eternal glory and then we're going to look at some theophanies which are appearances of God in the Old Testament and then we're going to look at the plan of salvation before time began. So I'm really praying this will bless you and encourage you uh, as it has done me as I was preparing. I just sort of ended up worshipping God. He's just amazing. So Lord, as we come to look at your word, I pray Lord that you'll just give us open hearts, open minds, Lord, that as we put things forth, we will see you in all your glory and in all your willingness to lay that down and come for us, Lord. We thank you and I just pray your Holy Spirit's help and presence this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the book, our whole Bible starts with God at the beginning. In creation, in the beginning, God. And the word for God there is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is plural. So we know that right at the very, very beginning of all things, God, he is one, but he is also three. It's a mystery that we can't get our heads round. But there we see Holy Spirit brooding, hovering over the face of the deep, ready to put into action the word that God speaks. And as God speaks the word, everything comes into being. And it's just amazing, isn't it? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in with God in the beginning. He was busy there with the Father, bringing into place all that the Father wanted. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And there's this lovely uh, section in Proverbs which I just think brings out the joy of God the Father, Jesus the Son, working together in creation. So I'm just going to read it to you. Um, We know it's kind of talking of wisdom personified, but we know that Christ is the wisdom of God. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 1.24. So here we are. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning, when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep when he gave the sea its boundaries so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. 
I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. I think that's just such a wonderful passage just describing the joy and the delight of the Father and the Son as they bring this world into creation. And Jesus was there as the Word, right at the beginning, at the very beginning. So now we're going to look at Jesus in his eternal glory. What was that like? There's only two people in the Bible who have really described the appearance of Jesus before he came to the earth or Jesus in his eternal state. And I just want to read you those two passages. The first one is from Ezekiel. And try and imagine, will you, we couldn't, obviously, you can't get a picture (laughs) of God's glory, of Jesus' glory, you can't get one. So try and use your imagination. Ezekiel said, From what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down. And John writes, I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. What an amazing vision of God, of Jesus in his glory. The glory is too much for us as individuals, both Um, Ezekiel and John they fall down before it they can't almost stand it and we know that Peter, James and John had that that amazing experience up uh, up on the mountain when they saw Jesus transfigured and they tell a similar story his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light A bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. You know, sometimes we make Jesus too small. Sometimes, I mean, when I was a child, I grew up in a chapel and I was taught to say, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. When you see these pictures of God in all his glory, it just blows your mind. And the fact that Jesus was willing to lay aside that tremendous weight of glory to come to the earth because we would not have been able to cope if he came in his glory. It blows my mind. 
our God is truly amazing. Let us not make him too small. In the Old Testament, there were some appearances of, uh, of God uh, to just specific people. Um, I've just done a list, I'm not going to go into them all. But each of those people up there had that amazing appearance of God for them, which changed their lives. It's like, because they had something special to do, uh, that God actually met with them and put that on their hearts. But in all of those situations, it's like, first of all, they think, oh, this must be an angel. And then they end up going, no, it was God. And some of them were then afraid for their lives because they knew they couldn't look on God's glory in all its fullness. So I guess Jesus found a way of coming to them in those moments in a way that they could stand. But this is the best bit, the plan of salvation before time began. And so before, even before the beginning of our Bible, before the world was ever made, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they had this plan. They wanted to make the most beautiful world. And in it, they were going to put people made in their image. People with free will. That's very dangerous. They were going to put people in this world and give them charge of the world and tell them to make it more beautiful and more amazing than it already was. They wanted them to inhabit this beautiful world and to enjoy it and to take good care of it. I don't think we've done a great job on taking care of it. But that was the plan. And in the midst of that, they realised that giving man free will was really quite a, a dangerous thing. Because those people, the people they loved, might turn away from them and might do their own thing and might make a mess of this world. In fact, they knew we would. But they came up with a plan that when it all went horribly wrong, that Jesus, who was one with the Father, would leave his glory behind in heaven and come to the earth and redeem the situation that he would do whatever it took to connect those precious people back to God. Oh, you know, it is absolutely amazing. And they wanted to do it because of the joy. They said that Jesus came for the joy that was set before him, the joy of having us in his connected with him again, walking with him as Adam and Eve did, walking with him through our lives knowing his presence, knowing his power, knowing his help. But don't you just think it is absolutely amazing that Jesus, who was this powerful, amazing part of God, was willing to just come to earth and be put into the womb of a girl as just a tiny seed and just a tiny fetus. And it wasn't like... He was going to a palace and everything was going to be amazing and he would have servants running around after him and people would all want to follow him. He came 
he was willing to lay aside all that glory to come and be born in a stable, in a manger. He was willing to stoop that low for us. I just, when you stop and think about it, I know we get immune, we do Christmas every year, don't we? Every year we go through the story, but it is absolutely amazing. And Philippians, Paul tells us what that was like for Jesus, who, being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death and on a cross. This plan was before the foundation of the world. This plan was Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world before it ever started. Revelation 13.8 talks of the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. And Peter writes, For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a Lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world. Oh, I just, you know, I just see God the Father and Jesus the Son coming up with this plan. Coming up with a plan. And they they did it because they thought we were worth it. They wanted us so much to be back in connection with them. Being there... The Father wanted us to know him as the Father, as our Father. The Son wanted him to be, wanted us to be his children and be his brothers and sisters. And this now was not going to be just those like the Theophanies in the Old Testament, just for a few special people. This was now going to be for everyone who believes God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Oh, I just love that verse. I grew up with it. It was one that we learnt in Sunday school. But it's just absolutely amazing. For the sake of love, because of love, It was all because of love. People hadn't caught on. Even in the Old Testament, people were resentful of the law. They thought it was stealing their privilege to do whatever they want, inhibiting their lives, spoiling it. They didn't understand that the Father was trying to protect them from evil and give them fulfilling lives. The prophets who came and tried so hard to get them to turn their lives back towards their Father were largely killed or ignored. People heard the words but they just felt condemned and they resented the God who knew what was best for them. And we just feel there's this this 
when Jesus goes into Jerusalem, he says this amazing thing, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you, how I would have loved to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. They didn't catch on. They didn't know that God was loved. This is the whole thing. God wanted us to know. He is love. He is love. That is who he is. And it's just, oh, thank you, Lord. Just thank you, Lord. We hear that, get that sense of God just loving a people and loving them and loving them and yet having that sense of unrequited love where people were not loving him back, where people were cutting him out of their lives because they just didn't understand. He wanted so much for people to know what the Father was really, really like. And when we look at Jesus, we see what the Father is really like. Jesus himself said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And we see love and we see a different, a whole expanse of that love which is just expressed in so much of Jesus laying down his life, laying down his life, washing the feet of his disciples, healing the sick, touching the untouchable people, not not afraid to reach out to people who were supposedly unclean. And we see Jesus involved in all of that. He shows us the Father. The writer to the Hebrews says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And Paul just rejoices. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. We are chosen. We are chosen. God loves us and he wants us to live like we are loved. He wants us to live fearless. He wants us to live with that knowledge that we have a Father in heaven who will look after us no matter what happens, no matter what things we get to face in life. He wants us to know that we are loved and we can be confident in his love for us. I think as English people we have a massive tendency to just to put ourselves down, don't we? We never think we're much. We compare ourselves to others and we look around and we feel like, oh well, you know, they're so much better than me. No, God has made us in his image. He, each one of you sitting here today, you are made in the image of God. 
and he has put certain things in each one of you that he delights in, that he sees and he wants to just connect with us more and more. He wants us to know that we were worth it. We were worth it. He died for people that he doesn't wring his hands and say, oh, I wish I hadn't bothered with that lot. They're just nothing but a load of trouble. He thinks we are worth it. You are loved. I am loved. I am loved before the foundation of the world and so are you. Delight in the Father's love for you. You know, we want our children, don't we, to know that they are loved, don't we? I want my children to know they are loved. I want my grandchildren to know that they are loved and I'll be there for them, whatever whatever they need. But God is so much more than that. He wants to be with you right to your last day and your last breath. He will be with you. He is your Father. He loves you. Sometimes, and especially perhaps at the moment, the world seems shaky. It seems like things are falling apart. Things are not going well. And we wonder kind of what's going on. Does God know what's happening? Is there a reason for what we see around us. But nothing ever shakes God. He knows the end from the beginning. He is never up in heaven going, oh, I can't believe they've just done that. I can't believe they just, oh, Putin just invaded Ukraine. Oh, now what am I going to do? He's not like that. Because he is God, he has seen the end from the beginning. And we don't need to panic. He's still working his purposes out. So when the world seems shaky, remind yourself that God is still God. There used to be a song we used to sing, didn't there? Well, I did when I was at Sunday school. I don't know if it was you, just me. But he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little tiny baby in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. And we need to remind ourselves, our dad's got this. He's seen it before we knew it was all going to happen. And he doesn't want us to live in worry. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to know that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He wants us to know that he was, he is and he is to come. He doesn't want us to live like this world is all there is because it isn't. We've got a massive future. I don't know if you also remember that song by uh, Jim Reeves, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore because we belong, we belong to God. We belong in heaven, we belong in his presence. But while we're still here, let's remind ourselves how great God is and how he knows the end from the beginning. So I just want to finish by reading Revelation 1, 4-8 to you because it just stabilises us and helps us to see who God really is. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, 
and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Putin's not in charge, see. God's still up there. He's still got his hand on everything. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him so shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you were willing, not just willing, but you actually wanted to come as the Lamb of God to take away our sin and to reconnect us with your Father. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you were willing to lay down your life for us so that we will live. Thank you that we have a home in eternity with you, but thank you more than that, that we know you and we know your presence, your help. We know you in our daily lives. We know that you're taking care of us and you will take care of us right to the end. And you'll bring us in to be with you in your kingdom forever. Lord, we worship you this morning. We worship you as the word become flesh. As the one who came, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. We worship you for all that you've done for us and all that you're going to do for us and for the fact that we can walk with you every single moment of every single day. What an honour that is. We thank you, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and not on the madness, the craziness of the world at the moment, but to fix our eyes on you, Lord, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have done. Thank you, Lord. Amen.